like that. You want to try Hello that. everybody, it's welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having a fantastic day and having a fantastic weekend, or had a fantastic weekend, I should say. I had a, I had a pretty solid one. Can't really complain all here too much here on the, the Western Front, but I hope you all are ready for another edition of the Logan Blackman Show, a very exciting show as per usual, is in store for you today. But before we get into that, make sure you follow The Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman, Instagram accounts, Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1, Facebook and YouTube. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. Check out our blog posts on all different forms of social media or... You can go to theloganblackmanshow.com, scroll down the main page and see our latest one, or go to the blog section. You can check out all the old blog posts that we have had ready and available for you. And we'll get to one here in a little bit, which we talked about on Friday, released it on Fridays. Well, we're going to re-discuss that, I guess you could say. But the most important thing here is make sure you are following and or subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. The only way you know what I'm saying at this per- current moment in time as if you're listening to the podcast right now, and if you're not sure, or even if you are, just might as well go and double-check if you are subscribed and or following to both accounts, and leave a rating out of five stars. It could be a one-star rating or a five-star rating. Obviously, I would appreciate a five-star rating, but if you think the show that we're doing sucks complete ass, then that's perfectly fine with you. That's perfectly fine with me, I guess. Just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Again, I would appreciate a five-star, but again... If you feel strongly enough to give me a one-star rating, just put it down below why you give me a one-star rating. Now, I hope this show today lives up to your high expectations. Now, before we get into anything, it's it's Josh Allen's birthday today. The greatest quarterback of all time. It's his birthday. Got a nice little bottle of Labatt Blue. We'll take a quick swig for Josh Allen right now. Ah, Josh Allen has uh, never been more focused on football in his life. In his life, he is ready to rip apart the NFL. I just saw a prediction on Twitter just a little bit ago of divisional rankings. Now, this is, or divisional predictions. This is now, it's May 21st, so we got a long way to go before the 2023 NFL season kicks off. But I have never seen, like, out of all the the combinations of teams you could put in the AFC East, because I understand the AFC East is more competitive than what it has been years past. Obviously, the moves the Dolphins have made. Obviously, if you see the moves that the Jets have made, bringing in Aaron Rodgers. The Patriots have brought in Bill O'Brien to be the odds coordinator for Mac Jones. So people are expecting him to take a take a little jump this year to go back to what he looked like his rookie year, where he was the 81st or something ranked player in the entire NFL by the NFL's top 100 players thing. But I saw this prediction, and it read as follows. Dolphins first. Which is fine. I mean, you can have that opinion. The Dolphins being first in the division. They signed Jalen Ramsey, or traded for Jalen Ramsey this offseason. Hopefully Tua stays healthy for their sake. They obviously got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. One of the, if not the best receiving core in the NFL, or at least receiving tandem in the NFL. Number two is where we get a little bit interesting here. It's where we get a little bit interesting. Because again, I don't agree with the Dolphins being first in the division. But hey, I've seen crazier things happen. And the crazier thing that I'm going to bring up here is the New England Patriots finishing second. Am I the only one here that was under the impression that the Patriots were clearly the worst team in the division? Like, clearly the worst team? And then the Bills are third and the Jets are fourth. Like, I've seen people... I've been one to hold my reservations out about the New York Jets this offseason. But I have a really hard time believing that they are going to finish behind the New England Patriots. And not only that, finish dead last in the division. 
That is a little crazy to me. That is a little crazy to me. I throughout the all the different combinations that I've had, because there's a lot of different ways you can do this. You, there's you got four teams, you got four different places, you got a lot of different ways you can organize these teams. But I've never once this entire offseason, whether it be from the draft, whether it be preseason or like the free agent stuff, trades, all that stuff. I have never thought the Patriots are going to finish anything above fourth this year. And I could be wrong for me. I, I could be completely wrong in thinking that because as I've learned throughout my entire life, never doubt the New England Patriots. But the problem is Tom Brady's not there anymore. And I've said this my entire life. We've talked about it here on the show. I have little to no fear of the New England Patriots right now. And maybe, again, maybe that's wrong of me to say. But that fear I had when Tom Brady was there is completely different and completely subsided to since he went off to Tampa and since recently retired. I don't fear the Patriots anymore. I respect Bill Belichick. Do I think he's the greatest coach of all time? Yeah. But as long as 12's not there at quarterback, I don't have that same feeling that I had for all those years. Tom Brady destroyed the Bills. My dad used to say this all the time growing up. Every time it felt like the Bills beat the Patriots, it was a late-season game. Patriots' playoff spot was already locked up. The AFC East was complete dog shit. So all you had to do was just... You didn't even need to do anything. You could play the backups all you wanted, and the Bills would beat the Patriots. My dad used to say, if Tom Brady's not playing, then it doesn't really count. I don't really feel like they beat the Patriots. And that's how I feel now. Like, yeah, we're kicking the share of the Patriots. They've lost one time. No, twice, I guess. No, no. They beat Cam Newton twice. So since Tom Brady's been out of New England, they've only lost to the Patriots one time. And that was the Mac Jones game where um, the Patriots ran for like 200 yards on them. If I'm, unless I'm forgetting a game because they swept them last year. They killed them in the playoffs the year before, obviously destroyed them in Foxborough the year before too. And then Cam Newton, they destroyed him the second time they played him in New England. And then had a close game against them in Buffalo where Cam Newton fumbled to seal the game. Justin Zimmer stripped the ball away from Cam Newton. Or recover the fumble. I don't remember if he's straight. But I don't have that. So this think the Patriots finishing second. If you would have told me, like, five years ago, the Patriots would finish anything other than first in this division, I would have called you absolutely insane. But we don't live in the we don't live in five years ago. We live in the here and now where the Patriots what what did they really do to make you think that they are better than a team that dry, signed Aaron Rodgers, trade for Aaron Rodgers, a team that just finished 13 and 3. And a team that has, again, one of the best, if not the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL and signing Jalen Ramsey, one of the best secondaries in the entire NFL. What did the Patriots do to finish above said teams this year? Because the Jets finished last in the division last year, but I can see moves they made that make me think, yeah, they can beat the Patriots this year. I think adding Bill O'Brien, replacing Joe Judge and Matt Patricia is freaking huge for the development of Mac Jones. But other than that, like Chris Gonzalez, I think is a very good draft pick. But I don't, I don't fear the Patriots. I definitely don't think they're finishing second in the division. The Dolphins and Jets both made moves to put them above that. The Jets finished 7-10 with Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco, and Chris Strebler at quarterback last year. I don't think the Patriots did enough to finish anything above fourth. Again, I'm going to keep reiterating this because I do understand it's the Patriots. I have a very hard time believing they'll finish anything above fourth. If I had to make my AFC East predictions right here, and right now, I would probably lean towards Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. So pretty much the same thing as last year, just flipping the Jets and Patriots. I think the Jets can win nine games. I think the Dolphins can win somewhere around 10 games. I think the Bills can win around 12 games. Maybe Dolphins win 11 games. Maybe the Jets win 10 games. Patriots, I don't really see them going above 500. Like eight and nine again? Like, 
I don't know. Maybe that's harsh. Maybe it's a little harsh. There's going to be some Patriots fans that are ready for them to win another, win another Super Bowl. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And I just saw that a little bit ago, and I kept reading it. And I was like, man, you posted that. And it was edited, too. And the edited part that they changed wasn't even the Patriots there. It was like the Steelers finishing third in the AFC North or something. Which, again, is, I don't know. I don't, here's the re- Here it is. It's from ML Football. I don't know. There, there's a Twitter account on Twitter. Nothing official or anything, but just predictions. Yeah, Dolphins, Patriots, Bills, Jets, AFC North, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Browns. I have a hard time thinking the Browns are going to be much worse than what they were last year. I think Deshaun Watts with a full offseason with all the drama, hopefully for his sake, behind him. I would have a hard time believing the Browns would be worse again, but the Steelers made some improvements this offseason, obviously bringing in Broderick Jones in the draft. I think it's massive. I think the Steelers had a very good draft just in general. I like Kenny Pickett, so we'll see. The Ravens getting Lamar Jackson back fully healthy. They got a better receiving core, but the Raven, the Bengals will probably still be number one in the division. AFC West, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. I think the Broncos passed the Raiders this year, if I had to be honest. Like, again, this is May 21st. Things can obviously change before we actually make our officially official NFL season predictions. But, I don't know, Chargers, I think, are safely in second, Chiefs safely in first. AFC South, Texans, Jaguars, Texans, Titans, Colts. It's Jaguars first, and then whoever the hell you want, second, third, fourth. That's how I'd pretty much see it at this point in time. I really don't have any confidence in any of those other teams there. I think the Jaguars are safely going to finish first. Probably will sweep the division as well. NFC East, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Commanders. I think a lot of people are going to expect the Eagles to take some sort of like downturn this year. But I don't think they've... I, I said this after the draft. The Eagles had arguably the best draft at everybody. I don't really think... Yeah, they lost some key people. Like Javon Hargraves was a big loss. They lost Miles Sanders too. Isaac Sumello went to the Steelers. But I don't really think they did anything to get that worse because they replaced players that they lost. And I think that's important. The Eagles have always been very good at doing that. So I think they'll still finish first. Commanders, yeah, I think they're safe at fourth. Giants, I expect them to take a little bit of a downturn this year. NFC North, Vikings, Lions, Packers, Bears. This is a weird year because expect the expectation is for the Vikings to win the division. That's the expectation. Let's see if they actually live up to said expectation, but the Lions will be better. No one knows what the Packers are going to be. Like, what did we talk about the other day? Is Jordan Love ready? It's like, he can't afford not to be. They paid his fifth-year option. They picked up his fifth-year option. He has no option other than to be ready. Unless they want to play Sean Clifford or whoever else they have it back up. Or is is Boyle still there? I don't know who else they have. If Sean Clifford is the only backup they're going to be rolling in the season with, I don't know. But the Bears, I like the Bears. We talked about the other day about Justin Fields sucking. Remember that? I don't think, like, he'll do the Jalen Hurts and become an MVP candidate because I think the Bears roster is a thousand times worse than what the Eagles roster was going into last season. So I don't think that will happen, but I don't know. That division's pretty up in the air. NFC West, Niners, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals. Okay, Cardinals and last is one of the safest predictions you can make in the NFL this season. But as far as the rest of it, I don't know what the Rams are going to be. I have no idea what the Rams are going to try and do this year. I would say the Rams are definitely going to be down to the I, – I would say the Rams finish third. The Rams – I don't think the Rams are going to be very good. I, I have a hard time seeing that. The Seahawks made some improvements this offseason. Again, we brought bringing Jack Charbonnet in, bringing Jack Smith and Jigba in. They uh, made improvements in the secondary. Who they bring in the secondary? Because have Tark Woolen and Kobe Bryant there. They just added another corner to the draft. Who was it? Who did they bring in? Crap. 
Oh, Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon with the fifth pick. Like I I think the Seahawks probably finished second again. And the NFC South, Saints, Bucks, Falcons, Panthers. I think the Bucks finished last. Bucks stink. Bucks are gonna be in stream sellers this season. I I have a hard time picturing them doing a lot with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield at quarterback this year. And I like Kyle Trask. I have no real issue with Baker, but I just don't like and the Saints. I don't I don't, I guess just by default. Like other than the AFC South, like the NFC South might just be as bad. Be, and you, you might even argue it's worse because unlike the AFC South, there's not one clear team there. There's not a play a team that you go, oh, they'll make the playoffs. NFC South, you could see a, a reality where the Panthers, Falcons, Bucks, or Saints all make the playoffs. Not all of them, but one of them out of the division makes the playoffs. I think a division winner in this the division winner here may even be less than five hundred. I wouldn't be too shocked by that. Just like we, what was it last year? Or it came close to being last year. I don't know if the Bucks were exactly under five hundred. They might have been nine and eight or something. But like that's the like the NFC, AFC South, pound for pound, like the Texans, Titans, and Colts are bad. But at least the Jaguars are good. At least that's what we're expecting, anyways. The Jaguars got a young, nice young core. But the NFC South, you could go literally anywhere. I would think the Bucks come in last. I think the I think you flip the Bucks and Panthers. At this point in time, I've seen a lot of reports this offseason that uh, Bryce Young has a similar intellect to that of Peyton Manning. So we'll see if that works out. I, I think Bryce Young will be fine. I love all these rookie quarterbacks right now. I'm excited to see what they do this year. I wouldn't be surprised if the three quarterbacks that are drafted in the first round start week one in Richardson, Stroud, and Bryce Young. I wouldn't be too surprised by that. I think they're all talented enough to be the starters week one and just let them get their bumps and bruises. You're not on any good teams. Bryce Young's on the best team out of them. But you're, the other two, all of them got new coaches, so there's not an established quote-unquote culture at any of these locations. D'Amico Ryan's with Houston, Shane Steichen with Indy, and Frank Reich in Carolina. So they're all going to be, I mean, they're rookies anyway, so they're all going to be adjusting. So who knows? I don't think any of them will be particularly good, but I think the Panthers have the best shot at making the playoffs this year out of those, just because, again, their division is trash. They have a way better chance of winning the division than the Texans or Colts do. Just because the Jag again, the Jaguars. And the Titans, I have no idea. That team, I have no idea what to say about the Tennessee Titans. I saw something else today that the like the DeAndre Hopkins thing with the Bills just surfaced up again. So like at this point, I'm I'm kind of done with the whole thing. I'm kind of done with the whole thing. But uh yeah. If it happens, it happens. I mean, I'll I'll celebrate it if it happens. But at this point, it doesn't bother me if it doesn't happen. <laughs> because, again, people are freaking out about this or making a big deal about the Bills just because they got absolutely slapped by the Bengals. And I saw Isaiah McKenzie went on and did an interview about if they had a dome, they would have won. I hate that. I hate that he said that. Does it make the Bills look bad? No, it makes them – I mean, they already the, – the performance on the field made them look bad already. So it's not like they needed anything else. But now people are going to look like, oh, what a soft team. It doesn't help anything, but it doesn't like damage anything more. If that makes any sense, like they already looked bad, like they got annihilated by the Bengals. But this team right now, and I've said this before, I'll say it again: this team right now is better than what they were at this point last year. And it's the same team that had a worse roster on paper last year that everybody was tipping for Super Bowl stardom. That the entire NFL Network staff said the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And the Bills went from the team that everybody loves to now this year, everybody hates them <laughs> going into the season. And I'm all for it. I actually appreciate this more than getting predicted by everybody who won the Super Bowl. I said this last year. I was like, man, getting, being projected to win by everybody is kind of stressful. 
as a fan because you got people walking up to you all over the place going like, you wear a Bills shirt, you're like, man, that team's freaking good. That team's good, especially when they dismantled this reigning Super Bowl champs in L.A. and then destroyed the Tennessee Titans, the reigning number one seed in the AFC, the next week, winning by a combined score of like 70-something to 10. Like, it was a ridiculous score. Or 24, 70-something to 24. Embarrassing scorelines. And then you go lose next week to Tennessee, the Miami Dolphins. I remember my dad and I having conversations about, man, I don't see where this team loses a game. I don't see where this team loses. And they lose the very next week. It, it, that's what we call karma here in the biz. That's what we call karma. But every Bills fan was thinking that same thing. You'd be lying if you weren't. You watch them absolutely dominate. You're having a... Like, you're thinking, like, man, that team. They look damn near unstoppable. And I thought for a portion they were. I thought they were for a portion they were. Now, this is another trend that I've kind of been seeing on Twitter recently. It's my four favorite blank I've seen in my lifetime. I've seen these all over the freaking place. I don't know why I'm getting... Like, Twitter's a weird place right now. Where you're, you're starting to see things that you don't follow. It's like your For You page. And I just kind of scroll on the For You page every once in a while. But like, I, I, there's some things. I, like I get a lot of Bears pages. I get a lot of Bears pages on here. And I have no idea why. Because I've never liked anything a Bears page has posted. That to my knowledge anyways. So I don't know why I'm seeing this. But one of them is my four favorite QBs I've seen in my lifetime. And this is just off the top of the dome. The top of the dome piece. At this point in time. So, obviously, Josh Allen is in there. I've loved watching Josh Allen play my entire... the the Since 2018, there's been a lot of ups and downs, especially early on. But he's one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen in regards to a physical standpoint. I've never seen a lot of quarterbacks stiff-arm defensive linemen and then be able to outrun safeties and linebackers. I haven't really seen that before. It's kind of crazy how that all works. And then have the strongest arm in the NFL at the same time. Like, can he be frustrating? Yeah, he can be frustrating at times when he tries to do too much. You saw that more, again, early on, like against the Texans in the playoffs where he tossed the ball back behind his head and it flailed around. They end up losing five yards. Or you see the thing against, um, oh, what was it? Well, you know, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's a, a few fumbles in there. There's a few times where he should just take a sack and instead gets a 20-yard loss, like against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs when they went to the AFC Championship game his second year, or third year with Diggs first came there. There's some frustrating moments in there. I don't have a lot of them like memorized off the top of my head, but those are a few that I could think of. But Josh is amazing. Next one that I could that I first thought of off the top of my head, favorite quarterback I've watched, and this is strictly on the field, but Michael Vick. I loved watching Michael Vick play. Absolutely loved watching Michael Vick play. My uncle's got a crap ton of Michael Vick cards. He's got the biggest Deion Sanders card collection in the United States, at least to my knowledge, on this specific website. I don't remember what the exact number is, but he has a lot of Michael Vick cards as well. He's a big Atlanta Falcons fan. Big Atlanta Falcons fan. And like Josh that we just brought up a little bit ago, Michael Vick had the strongest arm in the NFL, was able to outrun corners. Like, safeties is one thing. Corners? Some of the fastest players in NFL history are corners. You look at Daryl Green. You look at Deion Sanders. I'm not saying that Michael Vick would outran them because he didn't play them. He might have played Daryl Green. <laughs> he might have played Deion for a period of time, but when Deion was in Baltimore... Daryl Green was probably still in Washington at the time. The dude played for like 30 years. And when he from year one to year 30, he was still the fastest player in the NFL. Fix out running him. And at the same time, having the strongest arm in the NFL. Wasn't consistent. Wasn't at all consistent. But, you know, it was fun to watch. And then number the next one I could think of at the top of my head, um, my boy Phillip Rivers. I loved Phillip Rivers growing up. I loved Phillip Rivers. I, I would, the number two, this isn't in any real order, but... 
Phillip Rivers would definitely be number two on there, or number three, whatever. It's, again, it's not in a specific order, but my favorite thing about Phillip Rivers is that he talked trash to literally everybody. Literally everybody. And the best part about it was he never cursed. Like, his mic'd up stuff were hilarious. Every single time. Every single time. And he's going to get a bad rap because the Chargers never actually ended up doing anything. You look at some of the talented teams the Chargers had. Like when the Danian Tomlinson won the MVP in 06 when they went 14-2, and lost their first playoff game to the Patriots. Or when they won their last 11 games in, uh, what year was that? 2008, I think it was. And lose the, they went 13-3, and lost the Jets. And the Jets, like, I think it was their first AFC championship run with Mark Sanchez and Sean Green, LTs last year in, in San Diego. And you see stuff like that, and you're like, man, sucks. But I don't think Phillip ever, I don't know, he never gave up is what, I try, what I'm trying to get around here. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? I think he has an outside shot at it. I think he has an outside shot at it. But I don't know if he'll actually end up being a, a, a Hall of Famer. Because I, there's part of me that says he is, but there's also favoritism towards that. Because I, you, you, you see that and go like, Phil Burr should be a Hall of Famer. Then I also say like, Matt Ryan shouldn't be and Matt Stafford shouldn't be. So it's kind of like a catch-22 per se. And the number, the last one, that was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch growing up. Um, Again, strictly on the field. <laughs> I got to make sure I clarify this, strictly on the field. Uh, Brett Favre. I loved watching Brett Favre growing up. Like, was he annoying and prima donna? Yeah, of course he was. Of course he was. Obviously got the welfare stuff, allegedly, down there in Mississippi. Had the drug addictions. Tweeted, I'm pretty sure he cheated on his wife when she had cancer. I could be wrong about that. Again, allegedly, I don't want to get sued by Brett Favre or anything because I loved watching him play. And a lot of the things Josh Allen does reminds me of a lot of what Brett Favre did back in the day. Like, just effortless thrower. Could move around the pocket like none other. And then you got his mic'd up stuff as well. Let me talk about Phillip Rivers. Like, Brett Favre has some of the best mic'd up moments of all time. Like, do you think God ever farted? You got any left-handed football? Like, just stupid stuff like that. Just, like, lighten the mood a little bit thing. And then you go light you up. Won three MVPs in a row. Won a Super Bowl. Obviously played for the Jets, so that hurts his legacy a little bit in my eyes. But the resurgence on the Vikings was really fun to see. And again, never gave up. Never sat out due to injury. Now that I... That <laughs> did end up getting him down the the addiction to painkillers and stuff like that. But on the field, Brett Favre was awesome. And then he got like Peyton Manning was awesome to watch. I had a Peyton Manning jersey growing up. Loved watching Peyton Manning play. But um, and Tom Brady, I respect Tom Brady a lot. Loved watching Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, all those guys. But I can only pick four. I can only pick four. Love watch like in college, if I had to do college quarterbacks, just moving on from Iowa people, because I don't think that's that's fair. Joe Burrow, definitely in college. Lamar Jackson in college was awesome. And then uh, who else do we got in there? And we're going for a less exciting but just pinpoint quarterback. Adrian McCarron was really fun to watch for me. Kellen Moore was really fun to watch at Boise State. Barely ever lost a game while at Boise State. Colt Brennan at Hawaii was obviously really fun. Graham Harrell, when Texas Tech were killing it, was really fun to watch. There were some, there were some fun teams back in the day. I just saw some that at the new college football game will have dynasty mode. I put in insane hours in Dynasty mode in 2012, like back when I was at UNI, NCAA football 2012 with Mark Ingram on the cover. Like, what am I going to do now when we have actual players? Like, oh, I'm going to be all over. I got to be Colorado again, bring that back up. It's not going to be as fun to be Colorado as it was in 2012 because Colorado, I would expect, well, who knows? We'll see how they do this year again. Like we talked about with Shadur Sanders, I don't know how good Colorado is going to be. They're like a very polarizing team. So on one hand, you think they're going to do well because they got Deion Sanders and all that. They brought in a bunch of new players. But on the same breath, 
They lost a lot of players. Culture is going to change. It's going to be important. The Pac-12 is pretty competitive, though. It is a competitive conference, more competitive than it had been in recent years. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year. And it was last year. Like, there's there's some good depth in the Pac-12 this year. Like, Dor- obviously, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's not anymore, there anymore. Tanner McKee's not there anymore. Um, who else isn't there anymore at the big at the Pac-12 schools? Whoever Colorado's quarterback was isn't there anymore. But you look at the rest of the Pac-12, just at the quarterback position. I got to pull up all the teams so I make sure I don't forget anybody. Out of the teams, anyways. Where's the Pac-12? Yeah. So you obviously got Caleb Williams at USC. You got Michael Penix at Washington. Bo Nix. Cam Rising at Utah. DJ Uyagalele at, U- at Oregon State. Cameron Ward at Washington State. Jaden Delura at Arizona. Then you've got Shadur Sanders at Colorado. Who's at Stanford, Arizona State, and Cal and UCLA? Who's UCLA's quarterback this year? Who is UCLA? Who, who tra- did someone transfer into UCLA or did they got a young guy right there? Hold on. Is it... Who is their starting... Ethan Garbers? Is that who's going to be the starter this year? I'm not 100% sure who it's going to be. I think it might be Ethan Garbers or Chase Griffin. I could, Either way, they're, they, we'll see how they do this. Maybe they are better than Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but I like Dorian Thompson-Robinson a lot. Arizona State was Emory Jones. But I feel like they just got a transfer in, didn't they? Yeah, they still got Emory Jones on the roster, but Emory Jones is at Cincinnati. Who'd they just get? Drew Pine from from Notre Dame? Is that who they just got? I feel like that's the quarterback that's going to be there this year. But either way, regardless of who's their who the quarterbacks for the other Big Twelve, the Pac twelve teams are. Pac twelve's got some studs. I, I give the Pac twelve some credit this year. Now I, I do have to see if Drew Pine's the quarterback at Arizona State because now it's going to bother me. I'm going to think about the rest of the show. Uh, why is this take? Yeah, Drew Pine. There we go. <laughs> Jane Delora, Jane Delora, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Jane Delora, he was at Washington State before uh, Cameron Ward came in and transferred down to Arizona. Gave Arizona uh, Arizona a little bit more of a, you know, what do you want to call it? Um, legitimacy at the quarterback position. Play Not a great team. Not a great team, but Jane Delora is a very solid quarterback. I was hoping they'd have someone else on here from the Pac-12 teams I was forgetting about. Ty Thompson at Oregon, very highly rated recruit in Oregon. We'll see he'll replace uh, Bo Nix next year. But yeah, Pac-12 is exciting. Pac-12 is a very exciting conference. But um, with that being said, we brought up a few quarterbacks that are on our list. Let's go over the the insanely early 2024 NFL quarterback prospect rankings list. I I got stuck with two different segues there, but we're gonna start with this one. Hopefully, I can work my way back to the other one. So. We'll start off with this one because we went down the college football quarterback thing and the route of that. So we'll start with this. And again, we made some changes. Nothing like drastic, nothing insanely drastic here, but you can go check out the blog post on the Logan Blackman show.com or again, follow Logan Blackman show on all different forms of social media. And you'll find links on there as well. We'll tweet out a new post for you today because our new link for you today, because we got to post the graphic and I'm struggling with this graphic. I hate making graphics. I'm bad at it. I'm not great at making graphics. Like my friend Chris, he made the logo, the new Logan Blackman Show logo. I had the original logo. If you remember that one, the black logo, terrible. I made that in a class. It was my first time ever using Photoshop. I was in a coding class about you and I. I was decent enough <laughs> at coding. Decent enough. Like enough to pass the class. 
Not enough to go like, man, I'm going to go into a career of coding. My mom likes to think that every once in a while. Like, oh, Logan, you were in a coding class. Yeah, I was instructed to do things. Like, I could work my way around it if I have the template, but I'm not just going to go, man, I'm going to code my own website. That's why I use Wix, which Wix, not great. Not the greatest website all interface of all time, but, it, you know, it does the job. It does a decent enough job. But uh, number one and two and three, those are all the same. Caleb Williams, Drake, May, Quinn Ewers, same stuff. Nothing too dissimilar with all those ones. I there There is, again, I saw, it was funny. I was looking up this the other day. Like, quarterback rankings for next year. It was on, like, Saturday or something. I was sitting around bored. I looked up some rankings. And I saw Quinn Ewers at number two a lot. I was very surprised. I was like, man, Quinn Ewers at number two. Like, I can understand the potential there because, again, he's the highest-rated high school quarterback of all time, or at least jointly. I know he got a 100 rating coming out of high school. Like, this dude has been hyped up for a few years now. few years now. But I haven't. I didn't expect him to be number two. All right, Because if you look at the measurables and the statistics from last year for Drake May and Quinn Ewers, you're just comparing them. I think all the signs point to Drake May. Again, this is early. I'm not saying Quinn Ewers can't end up passing him because, again, you look at last year. You look at the NFL draft last year. You look at the likes of Anthony Richardson, who I was high on, but there weren't a ton of people, to my knowledge, anyways, that were extremely high on Richardson. It looked like Levis, like, everyone's like, man, Will Levis go first overall. Will Levis goes first overall. There's a very good chance Will Levis goes first overall. And Will Levis goes to the second overall pick in the second round. Pick 34, or 33, sorry. Normally 34, but thanks to the Dolphins, only 31 teams had first-round picks. Or there are only 31 picks, I should say. So I don't want to sit here and act like, man. And again, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett wasn't considered a top prospect the year before he went off and broke all the ACC passing records at Pitt. He wasn't considered that. And he ended up being the first quarterback off the board. Not only that, the first quarterback taken within the first two rounds. Before Desmond Raider, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral all got taken. And the weird thing is, two of those three I just mentioned are trade candidates. The Panthers just drafted a quarterback with the first overall pick in Bryce Young. Matt Corral didn't play last year because he had Liz Frank injury. And then Malik Willis is going to get traded at some point. Like, Will Levis is number eight right now. He'll be number seven by the time the season starts. Because Malik Willis won't be on the roster. The only reason he's not wearing seven is because Malik Willis. I hope Malik Willis goes up to, like, I wanted him to go to, uh, to Detroit. That'd be a fun place for him to go. The Lions had a very good rapport with him at the Senior Bowl throughout the offseason. Really liked him from what all, all accounts said. And Jared Goff's not ready. It doesn't look like he's ready to go at any point. But they drafted Hen and Hooker, so we'll have to see about that. So... All in all, I don't think that it's crazy to go like, man, eventually Quinn Ewers could be the number two guy, but I think right now you kind of have to say it's Williams and Drake May at this point in time. And I wouldn't really be upset. Like, I'd be less upset with May being number one over Williams than Ewers being number two over May. Like, I can somewhat see the thinking behind Drake May being the number one quarterback in next year's draft. I can see that. I don't. I think it's hard to do that. But I can see it. I think it's harder to put Quinn Ewers over Drake May, though. I think it's very hard to do that. I think Caleb Williams and Drake May are easily 1-2. and two. Maybe even put 1A, 1B. And Quinn Ewers, potential-wise, off the frickin' board. I think what's cool about both these guys is they're both 20. Like, they're not older quarterbacks. Caleb Williams is 21 years old. Like, last year, you had the older quarterbacks like Will Levis, like Hen Hooker. You had some old – Jaron Hall was 25 years old. You're going to have some of that this year, obviously, but the top three guys are all 20, 21 years old, which is very nice. And then you look at, that's kind of what they ended up being this year, but because Anthony Richardson's only 20, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are 21. And then number four, we originally had Michael Penix. We went to JJ McCarthy. 
and I will explain why. And it, it, what makes this also difficult is I have my Joe Milton at number five. So Penix is at six. And I'll explain my reasoning here because it might be a little bit difficult at face value to kind of understand where I'm coming from here. Because you just look at the numbers here. You look at the numbers between J.J. McCarthy, Joe Milton, and Michael Penix. I think if you combined... I don't want to be close. I don't think it'd be close, no? No, it wouldn't be close. If you combined Joe Milton's passing yards with J.J. McCarthy's, you wouldn't have anywhere close to the same number of yards as Michael Penix. If you combined their touchdowns, you'd have only one more touchdown than Michael Penix. Like, that's crazy. How great of a season Michael Penix had last year, second in the nation in passing yards, after coming off a career of Indiana where he was there for four years, all of his numbers from last year topple every year he had it in Indiana combined. Or these came close. Passing yards he was over. Passing touchdowns he might just be under. With that, no. He had 29 passing touchdowns at Indiana. In four years, 29 passing touchdowns. And last year alone, number two in the nation in passing yards, top 15 in passing touchdowns with 31. Dominated. But when we're talking about the NFL draft, at the college level, it is hard for me to go Penix or um, McCarthy and Milton are better than Penix at the collegiate level. But as prospects, I think that's where we have to separate the two. Because I try to tell people all the time, there's a difference between being a great college quarterback and being a great NFL quarterback, let alone a great prospect. And I think there's a couple things that stand in the way of Michael Penix. And I don't want to use age as one of them, because Joe Milton's 23 as well. Both of them are 23. So I don't really want to use that in there because, again, Michael, I can use that for McCarthy because McCarthy's only 20. McCarthy's not even 21 yet. So I can use that to him. But as for Milton, you go, well, I understand that for McCarthy, but you have Milton above him as well. And you look at the numbers, Milton didn't even have 1,000 passing yards last year. And like Penix, Pen- uh, Milton's been in college football for a very long time. Very long time. But again, the key thing here with Penix is the injury history. The shoulder issues, shoulder injuries. The I think he's torn his ACL twice. Like that's not it's not very helpful. It makes it a little bit issue a big issue here because Milton hasn't played particularly well at times. You look at what he did at Michigan, transferred from Michigan. Obviously, a new competition coming in. Went to Tennessee, started right away at Tennessee before getting injured and benched, but came back and played multiple times throughout that season. I think he played five games that season. Came in for Hendon Hooker last year. Played very very well. And I think the reason when you look at what he did early on at Tennessee, because that's what people are going to be looking at, because he's played well in spurts last year, because he played against uh, Vanderbilt and then played against Clemson last year, like started. He might have played started one more game in there, but I can't – I'm blanking on it right now. So he obviously came in against South Carolina because that was when Hendon Hooker got hurt, but that game was a lost cause anyways. But you look at Milton's time at Tennessee, and then you look at his time as Michigan. When he first got to Michigan, the big thing I would like to point out here with that Tennessee thing is that that was Josh Huppel's first year. So Josh Huppel came into Tennessee from UCF, and he brought with him, or with him, I guess, got Hennon Hooker from Virginia Tech and Joe Milton from Tennessee, from Michigan. Two very skilled quarterbacks that possess somewhat similar-ish skill sets, and it's nice to recruit like that or get people in for the transfer portal and stuff like that. Because if one goes down, you have a guy that is capable to take over and maybe even be able to amplify some of the aspects that the other guy couldn't. 
Like, it's a very like-for-like situation here. Like, when the Bills had Josh Allen and Matt Barkley, like, the drop-off between play styles, like, they have to switch up their entire team from that to that, from Allen to Barkley, was absolutely ridiculous. Like, Kyle Allen's the backup right now, and Kyle Allen is fine in certain aspects. He can move, which is important in the Bills' offense. But when I looked at Josh Allen's back, it was the only one that's really been a like-for-like in regards to they don't need to change their system up that much is Mitch Trubisky. And Trubisky just signed, I think we talked about it Friday, just signed a new two-year deal where the Steelers were talking about getting a new two-year deal with Trubisky in Pittsburgh. But once Milton got hurt, then the Josh Huppel system started to implement a little bit more. Because that was only, Milton only got to start Huppel's first two games. They were kind of figuring things out at the same time. There was not like, oh, Huppel's got this insane, insane instilled system already that all you got to do is just do it and everything will work out. They were both learning at the fl- on the fly. But once Hendon Hooker took over, Huppel was into his stride, and then that's where Tennessee started taking off. I think they finished like 7-6 and six that year. Hooker had like 31 touchdowns, three picks. And the next year they went supernova. Went like 11-2, and two, dominated a lot of teams, beat Alabama. Like, great season. Struggled against Georgia, though. Struggled, obviously lost to South Carolina, but dominated Clemson. I think you look at what Huppel's system was at that point when, when Hooker and Milton both came to Tennessee – to look at what it was last year, to look at what the potential is this year. Because if you compare Milton and Penix as prospects, Milton's the bigger quarterback, Milton's the faster quarterback, Milton's got the stronger arm. The problem is we just haven't seen it. So we're building on potential here. And it's crazy for me to say we're building on potential for a dude that's 23 years old. I understand that. But if you're looking at intangibles, the traits that we could build on, and look at the style of offense that Tennessee runs, I think the style of offense Tennessee runs will push Joe Milton up insanely. That fast-paced offense, which, again, hurt Hendon Hooker at times because Hendon Hooker was older, and then Hendon Hooker got hurt. And it's not a very, you know, go to the NFL, you'll see a lot of teams running this thing. But what Hooker wasn't, like, Hook, Hen, I love Hendon Hooker. Milton's got a stronger arm than Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton is bigger than Hendon Hooker. And this is all, like, skeptical, or um, not skeptical, speculation at this point. Like, I don't know if Joe Milton will ever become anywhere near what Hendon Hooker was. I don't know if Joe Milton will ever become a Heisman candidate. I don't know that kind of stuff. But what I've seen and what kind of traits he has, I think he could definitely get there. And I think not having the likes of Jalen Hyatt and having Cedric Tillman is big. But Milton wasn't solely working with those guys last year. So the guys that are starting for Tennessee this year are the guys that Joe Milton was working with last year. If that makes sense. If that it might not make any sense, but that's it makes sense in my head. <laughs> I think Joe Milton could actually go supernova this year. I think. I think it could happen. And I think minus the injuries, and you could say again, that's he hasn't played. So there's a lot less chance for him to get hurt <laughs> than than Michael Penix, who was, I believe. A four-year starter at, t- at Indiana. He might have been only a three-year starter. I know he was three, but might have been four as well. But I think the injuries, I think the arm strength, the size, I think those lean towards Milton. So we'll put Milton at five. And as for McCarthy, McCarthy's young, super young. He's only 20 years old. And the thing that I could see being a problem area for McCarthy is that he's very slender. Like he's 6'3", barely 2. I don't even think he's 196. He's a very skinny quarterback. Very skinny quarterback. So I could see some people getting a little bit nervous about that, about him breaking at the next level. But what I think makes J.J. McCarthy very good is that his ability to throw on the run is very impressive. That's what makes him very, very good, 
is his ability to throw on the run. And that kind of helps when you've got an offense that's highly predicated on the run game with, like, Blake Corum, with Donovan Edwards. When you have those kind of guys there, having an elite running game, which is important for all quarterbacks, all quarterbacks. So I don't want – this could be seen as a slight because the run game takes so much pressure off the pass game because the defense is sucking in a little bit more. So it's opening up more holes down the field. So you could do the read option plays, then boom, right there. Read option, boom. Read option, give, good. Michigan's offensive line was good enough to capitalize on any of those opportunities. And you need to see that consistency from McCarthy that we didn't really see last year because, as we've said, the way to beat Michigan that teams thought, at least, to beat Michigan was to force J.J. McCarthy to throw the football. But as the season went on, we saw J.J. McCarthy become a much better passer, a much more consistent passer that we didn't see at the beginning of the year. Potential-wise, this dude is the potential to be a very, very good quarterback. I think being with Harbaugh is massive, a former quarterback at Michigan himself. And again, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions last year. If he builds on the consistency that he had at the end of the year last year and Michigan continues with their elite running game, I have no issue thinking that J.J. McCarthy could be one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft. So if you look at the age thing again, and I think if you're looking at the arm straight, I think he might have a stronger arm than Penix. It's close. It's close. I think Penix puts more zip on the ball. But, there, and again, this is like me saying that you're, there's football speed and track speed in regards to you can run faster than your 40-yard dash time. I know that might not make a lot of sense that McCarthy might have a stronger arm, but Penix puts more zip on it. I understand that might not make any sense, but trust me, it makes, it makes a little bit more sense than what you're hopefully get, giving me credit for. I think McCarthy, again, is a better mover than Michael Penix. You look at some of the run plays he made for Michigan last year, some of the big gains he picked up when the play looked dead in the water. And he's able to scramble scramble around in the backfield and then pick up a first down on the third and eight or something like that. Like I think he could be very, very good this year. So again, if we're looking at specifically numbers and we're looking at specifically what they did last year from an individual standpoint, then Penix should be number four. And maybe even number three, really. But we're building on potential here. When you're looking at for NFL draft prospects, you're not building off who's the best college quarterback. And there's some people out there that will do that, and sometimes that works out. Sometimes that works out for you. But we're going off potentially, and I think potentially McCarthy and Joe Milton can be better than Michael Penix as prospects in the NFL draft. And again, I think the injuries are a big thing there. I think Roma Dunze with Washington, I think Washington bringing back a lot of their receivers that they did the season before will help Penix again. And I don't want to discredit Bo Nix here as well, because Bo Nix at number seven, I feel like it's a little bit of a slight as well. But how many touchdowns he scored last year? Like he let 29 passing touchdowns, 14 rushing touchdowns, a receiving touchdown in there as well. I like Joe, I like Bo Nix a lot. Bo Nix got a strong arm, and much like Penix, you look at the stuff that he did before he came to Oregon. Uh, not very good, but he didn't have as many injuries. He had injuries while at Auburn. But a lot of people didn't like him at Auburn because it was like he's hyped up to be this thing that he just wasn't. And then now we see him at Oregon, and now people are going to have a hard time shedding that and going, wow, this dude was not very good at Auburn. He was the great hope for Auburn football. He was at the national championship when Auburn beat Oregon, the two schools that have now employed <laughs> Bo Nix. That's what's hard to differentiate there. You're like, man, in my head, this dude was complete ass, <laughs> and now he's playing really well. Like, quarterbacks can be late bloomers. Like, Joe Burrow was a late bloomer in college football. Penny Pickett was a late bloomer in college football. Now, you can have them and have success right away as well. Like Trevor Lawrence coming in right away, starting week one, or not week one, but beating out Kelly Bryant for the starting job at Clemson, winning a national championship as a freshman. That happens when you have that stuff like that, like Justin Herbert coming to the NFL and breaking all rookie passing records. 
you need instant gratification for the NFL at quarterback position nowadays because there's so many quarterbacks that have come in and played well. So the leash is a lot shorter than it was, say, even in 2019, 2018. The leash is not as long as it used to be. So when you have quarterbacks that take so long to develop, like Will Levis, why were you sitting behind Sean Clifford for so long? Why did you need to transfer to be a better quarterback than Sean Clifford? It's Sean Clifford. I say that with as try. I know it sounds bad. As little disrespect as I can, you're sitting behind Sean Clifford. I didn't think Sean Clifford get drafted. I didn't know if Sean Clifford's coming back to Penn State for an 18th year. Like there was one of those things where like, man, he could come back. I don't know. I didn't know he's available in the draft. I didn't. <laughs> I completely spaced Sean Clifford out of my head. But Bowen Nix and Michael Penix are good quarterbacks. They are good quarterbacks. Bo Nix a little bit older as well, 23 years old. You got those three guys at 23. Jordan Travis, 23 years old. I think the big thing that hurts Jordan Travis is his size. 6'1", 201, not a very big guy, but very mobile. Very mobile, and I think Florida State's offense will go supernova this year. Florida State should realistically be one of the best teams in college football this year. Maybe not. Maybe that's a little much, but they should be competing for a conference title easily given the talent that they have on the roster. Jordan Travis is now in his fourth year, fifth year as a starting quarterback at Florida State, or at least fourth year as the as a quarterback there. And his numbers were insane last year, given what he's done in the previous year. I shouldn't say insane, like 24 touchdowns, five picks. It's fine. But Florida State's going to be good this year. And then you look at Jaden Daniels at nine, still there. We had him there last time. I like Jaden Daniels a lot. We've liked him for a while now. We had him in these lists when he was a sophomore at Arizona State. The problem with it was at Arizona State is that he was looking to run first before throwing. And this year at LSU or this past year, he started off looking like that. But as the season progressed, he was running a lot more smartly. Like him and Brian Kelly were learning together as the season went on. And he had his best year of college football, arguably. Maybe his freshman year year at Arizona State was better, but he had a very good year this past year at LSU. Won a couple big games for them this year, too. And then I moved number 10. I put Rattler at 10. We had KJ Jefferson there. I like KJ Jefferson a lot. But from a talent standpoint, I think Rattler is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm going to bank on his talent. I don't necessarily like his attitude. I think it's a little bit of a, a cut and dry type situation with Spencer Rattler. But in regards to him throwing the football, there's not a lot of better quarterbacks in this draft. And like we talked about with McCarthy, as the season progressed, he got better. Like his numbers in November and beyond were way better than what they were before the month of November. So in five games, he almost had more had better numbers than what he did through the first eight games of the season. And if he builds on that, here's a similar situation that we talked about with Milton going to Tennessee with Huppel. Like, it takes time for these things to totally work out. Like Jane Daniels, it didn't click right away between him and Brian Kelly. And then things started to, tra- to translate. Things didn't click with Joe Milton and Huppel right away, and H- H- Milton gets hurt, and Hennon Hooker's the beneficiary to that. Spencer Rattler... At South Carolina, they didn't start off very well. His first few games of the season, through the first eight games of the season, 1,600 yards, five touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And then through the last five games, thirteen hundred, just under 1,400 yards with 13 touchdowns and just three interceptions. So he has eight more passing touchdowns with six less interceptions in three less games. That's impressive. So things take a little bit of time with a new head coach, new system, all that stuff. So I expect Rattler to build on that going into this season. They beat some good teams towards the latter part of the season. Beat up on Clemson, beat up on Tennessee, obviously. Didn't beat Notre Dame in the champ in the bowl game, but played really well in that bowl game. Only lost to them by a touchdown. 45-38, I think, was the final there. They were a top 10, top 25 team at the time as well. 
yeah, I think Rattler can definitely build on that. He went from being the, arguably the most talented quarterback Lincoln Riley's ever worked with to getting replaced by the actual most talented quarterback Lincoln Riley's ever worked with to now being a starting quarterback at South Carolina. But we did have the others here. We had the just-missed-out category, Jalen Daniels, Jackson Dart, Theo Day, uh, Sam Hartman, Sam Heward, KJ, Phil Yurkovic, Devin Leary, Riley Leonard, Grace McCall, Kyle McCord, Michael Pratt, Austin Reed from Western Kentucky, Cameron Rising, Will Watt, Rogers, Shadur Sanders, Spencer Sanders, DJ Uyagalele, Tyler Van Dyke, and Cameron Ward. I like this top 10. I like this top 10. You should check it out on the LoganBlattmanShow.com. Again, we got Caleb Williams 1, Drake May 2, Quinn Ewers 3, J.D. McCarthy 4, Michael uh, Joe Milton 5, Michael Penix 6, Bo Nix 7, Jordan Travis 8, Jane Daniels 9, and Spencer Rattler at number 10. And obviously that's going to be exactly right by the time the draft rolls around in April. I think I have what but when I posted this, it was 342 days until the NFL draft. 342 days. We had 340 at this point in time. So we got white we got a little ways to go. We got a little ways to go. We got even ways to go until the college football season starts. But man, I can't wait for college football. College football is gonna be so fun. It's gonna be so fun. I'm I'm waiting for them to release the rankings because I don't know. When do the rankings officially get released? I thought that was a thing that happened a little bit sooner than what I'm expecting at this point in time, I guess. Well, why why don't I have why are no rankings out? Georgia, get Zana Rayola, top five quarter uh five number one quarter number one quarterback recruit. Hugh Freeze and Auburn. Wow, I completely forgot about that. Latest on eight quarterback battles. This is 13 days ago. Let's look at the quarterback battles. Tyler Buckner, Jalen Miller, Times Simpson. Winner, Tyler Buckner. Yeah, probably. Uh, Florida Gators, Graham Mertz versus Jack Miller. Uh, Graham Mertz probably be the winner there. Georgia, Carson Beck versus Brock Vandergriff. Um, uh, Griff, sorry. Carson Beck will probably be that. Uh, Ohio State, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. Kyle McCord, I mean, we had him in the prospect rankings, so I would imagine him. Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard. I think it'll be Jackson Dart again. Tennessee, Joe Milne, Nico Iamaliva, uh, top-rated quarterback in high school. I would expect Joe Milton. <laughs> I would very much expect him. Texas, Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy. He's got a cannon for an arm in Arch Manning, uh, Quinn Ewers. But he's going to have some battle there. Dante Moore, Ethan Garbers, Colin Schley, Justin Martin, and Chase Griffin for UCLA. Dante Moore is their projected one, but we already brought up Ethan Garbers and Chase Griffin for your quarterback battles there for college football. What else do we got here for ESPN college football? Man, we got all the way till August 26th, 25th, first game of the year. On August 25th, we've got Hawaii, Vanderbilt, San Jose State, UC, USC, Navy, Notre Dame, and Dublin. So that'll be the first game of the year probably. I would imagine anyways. UMass, New Mexico State, and Ohio, San Diego State. They already got lines and everything. USC versus San Jose State, 30 is the line. Notre Dame, Navy is 20. Vanderbilt, Hawaii is 17. Remember when Vanderbilt started off like decent for Vanderbilt standards last year and then completely fell back to Vanderbilt level, finished below 500? Like they started off 2 0. They were beating Wake Forest for a little bit and then ended up losing by 20. <laughs> or wait, no, 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 no. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? I thought I was closer than what it actually ends up being. Man, I thought that, man, from my memory, I thought I was a little bit closer. And they beat Northern Illinois, and then they start they start off three and one. Everybody was excited, and then they ended up getting blasted 
in almost every game the rest of the year. <laughs> they came close against Missouri, who ended up almost beating Georgia, of all teams. That was like the next week, wasn't it? We almost lose to Vanderbilt and then almost beat Georgia. Or no, 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 no. That was a little earlier. Losing to Auburn. I, re- I remember that being a story. So they beat George, lose to Georgia 26-22. And they lose to Florida by seven. Geez, they had a real chance of being five and one going into that Vanderbilt game. Because they lost to Kansas State 40-12, so they weren't winning that game. But look at Auburn lost in overtime. Georgia lost by four one game they were winning. And then Florida, they lose by seven. They were two and four. Could have been five and one. Who knows what they've been ranked at that point if they beat up on Georgia, Auburn, and Florida with two of those games being on the road. And then you go on to win against Vanderbilt. You go on to beat South Carolina. You go seven and one against Gary against Kentucky. And then you fall apart. <laughs> Completely different outlook for Vanderbilt or uh, for Missouri if that ended up working out for him. But man, fun stuff. God love college football. But uh, I saw this the other day from Barstool. And it was name a player who you thought would be good, but sucked. And they've got people on this graphic. They've got the likes of Kwame Brown. they got Greg Oden. Vince Young. Would you class Vince Young won Rookie of the Year. It was a Pro Bowler's first year. All right, He might not have won Rookie of the Year. He was a nominee for Rookie of the Year. Then sucked after that. you got Darko Milicic we brought up uh, on Friday, I believe. we got Jamarcus Russell. We have got Patrick Stefan. Uh, then we got Zion. I, I think that's a little unfair to Zion. And then Joey Harrington. I wouldn't put Zion on there. Because Zion certainly hasn't sucked. Zion just hasn't been healthy. I think that's more for uh, the clicks and all that stuff. Get people talking. But people go, what What the hell? Because you can see now how many people have interacted with your tweets or how many people have seen your tweets on Twitter. So I think that's a little bit unfair to have Zion Williamson in there. But have I had a player that I really was like, man, this guy will be good. Have faith. This guy will be good. Maybe A.J. McCarron in the NFL. I thought if A.J. McCarron left Cincinnati, he'd be good. Because remember, he was going to get traded to Cleveland, and then the trade fell through. Because every time he played when Andy Dalton got hurt, I was of the mindset that A.J. McCarron would be the starter in Cincinnati, that he was better than Andy Dalton. But he never ended up being consistently there in Cincinnati. And then he signed for the Bills, got beat up by friggin' Nathan Peterman for the starting job, and then went to Oakland or Vegas. No, they were still in Oakland at the time. Then went down to Houston. Now he's balling out in the XFL. So maybe you could say he's doing well now, but I thought he would be pretty good when he was with the Bengals. I thought he was destined to be a, a not a star, but be a starter in the NFL. Is there anybody else that I really was like, man, this guy will be good. This guy will be really, really good. And he was not really, really good. I got to look back at some past drafts. Let's go back. Let's go back through the draft history and go like, man, this guy will be good. This guy will be good. Because I wasn't like, destined for I didn't think like Sam Darnold or Josh Rose were destined for greatness at those points in times what's a good area to start at oh Dwayne Haskins rest in peace Dwayne Haskins I thought he would be a lot better than what he was I thought he'd be a lot I mean look at all the records he broke in his freshman year his first year starting in Ohio State I thought he would break a I thought he'd be very very good in the NFL who I want to stick this strictly to quarterbacks though I don't want to move on to other positions. Let's go stay, stick with quarterbacks. I'm surprised like Carson Wentz wasn't on there because a lot of people don't like Carson Wentz. A lot of people don't like Carson Wentz. I thought Paxton Lynch would be decent. I thought Paxton Lynch would be decent. I didn't think he'd be anything special, but he was good at Memphis. I thought the Chargers were going to draft him. I thought that was going to be a guy the Chargers. Marcus Mariota. I thought Marcus Mariota would be awesome. It too is one of the most electrifying players in college football history. Everybody in the state of Iowa watched Oregon football. 
How many other times that happened? No one in the state of Iowa should really care about Oregon. I had Oregon stuff, like Oregon shirts and shorts and stuff. Mariota was awesome. I thought for sure he'd be really good in the NFL. I thought for sure. Second overall pick by the Titans, but that's just the Titans for you. Anybody else? I'm gonna Let's just stick in the first round as well. Let's just narrow it down to the first round. I wasn't really sold on Johnny Football in regards to being an NFL guy. It was exciting for Johnny Manziel, but... I wasn't on the same thing like he'll be a bigger person in Cleveland than LeBron James ever was. That was stupid. RG3? RG3, would you classify him in that? Because RG3 was a rookie of the year. So I I have a hard time going like, man, he sucked. Because I had really I had RG3 cleats. I had RG3 cleats back in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. Junior sophomore or junior in high school. I can't remember which exactly year I was, but RG3 is another one. I, I thought RG3 would be really good. And he was. And then he just battled a bunch of injuries and then kind of just went downhill. Anybody in the Cam Newton draft? Not really. I remember seeing a graphic with Blaine Gabbert and Jake Locker on the same cover with Cam Newton. That is insane to look back on now. Now we're going a little bit too old for me now to where I'm like, man, looking at him as prospects. But RG3... That was that was a big one. That was a big one. So I was all in on RG three back in the day. I'm gonna go back to nineteen. I'm gonna go back to two thousand just to see if there's anybody like, man, this guy could be good. Have faith in him. He'll be good. Have faith. Have faith. He'll be good. No one that the Bills really drafted. I was really on that that I could think of, anyways. Yeah. Okay. I think we're too old now because I don't remember. I remember watching Demarcus Russell at LSU because he played against Iowa in the Capital One Bowl. I remember watching him in college, but I don't. I was I don't remember if I was ever Vince Young. I guess you could classify him as that, because obviously Vince Young was one of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time. And then did decent his rookie year in Tennessee, and then had the ninety nine yard r- drive against Card. I think it was against Cardinals. Matt Leinart, another one. Matt Leinart was really good in college, like amazing and co- two of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Just didn't really work out in the NFL. Um. I hate the phrase suck because, like, I thought Tyrod Taylor would be a lot, like, put up bigger numbers in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor was – I love Tyrod Taylor. I think you're looking at the drought quarterback era or the quarterbacks pre-Josh Allen, post-Jim Kelly's probably number one or two in that ranking, which shows either, A, how good Tyrod was or, B, how bad the quarterbacks were at that time. See, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick's really his only other competition with Doug Flutie. It's Doug Flutie, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Tyrod. Those are probably your th- Drew Bledsoe. And then uh, who's who would be number five? Who would be number five in that list? Is there a number five? I don't think so. I don't really think there is a number five after that. Because JP was bad. Trent Edwards got killed. Kyle Orton got him to 9-7 and seven with Doug Marone. That's a, a an achievement in itself. So maybe that. But I think the main one, I would say probably RG3. Probably RG3. Just because I had the cleats and everything. There was Who was the other quarterback I said before, though? So I said RG3. And Dwayne. Dwayne Haskins I thought would be a lot better. Again, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. There had to be someone else that I mentioned. I'm completely blanking now. Completely blanking now. Look back to 2017. That was the Mayfield. Or the Mayfield. The Mahomes draft. No, 2016. Oh, Mariota. Mariota, 2015. That was one. So Mariota... RG3 and Dwayne Haskins are quarterbacks I thought would be a lot better than what they were. Again, RG3 had a lot to do with injuries, but apart from injury, when he, even when he was healthy, didn't really work out. 
I think he got dealt with a, a bad hand in Washington just because he got it with the coaching staff that didn't want him. I think that's not that's not an easy thing to overcome. Then what else do I have on here? Because I, I got I'm gonna wrap the show up a little bit earlier today because of the fact that last show was so freaking long. So we're gonna keep this one a little bit shorter. Oh, yeah, this was the thing I was gonna talk about earlier when I was talking about uh, segways. So we brought up Michael Vick with the favorite quarterbacks to watch thing. As much as I loved watching Michael Vick, this is a conversation that we've had maybe a hundred times in this show because I think it's a lazy comparison, and I've always hated this comparison. And I think you know exactly where I'm going with this, of Lamar Jackson versus Michael Vick. I saw someone on Twitter say, true or false, Michael Vick greater than signed Lamar Jackson. And I liked this post on Twitter, not the actual post, but a response, said anyone who thinks Vick is better than Lamar is relying on nostalgia and Madden to try and carry their argument. Lamar is a better is better than Vic in every possible way as a quarterback and as a football player. That's 100% true. 100% true. I said that from the moment Lamar Jackson was first like taking off as a quarterback. People wanted to make that comparison a lot. The only thing that these two have that is comparable is their athleticism, where they're the most electrifying player on the football field at all times. That's it. In regards to them being a quarterback, like Lamar's bigger, Vic had a stronger arm, Lamar's more accurate, Lamar even is more elusive than Michael Vick. As crazy as that is to say, Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick. By a lot. Like, Vick never had consistency as a passer until he got to Philly. That's where we saw the best version of Michael Vick was his first year starting in Philly. When Kevin Cobb got hurt and we saw Michael Vick go supernova and, weirdly enough, get put in a Madden cover race, (laughs) Madden cover battle with Peyton Hillis. Like, as, you know, one would suspect. Like his first year in Philly, 3,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, six picks, with 600 yards rushing. That is the best Michael Vick. He obviously had the 1,000 yards rushing before he got arrested, but you look at his numbers passing the ball, and again, Vick's arm strength was a, a benefit and a hindrance all at the same time because his arm was so strong, the ball would sail on him sometimes. Like Vick has one of the strongest arms in NFL history. I don't know if people remember that all too much, but Vic's arm strength was ridiculous. Like, that dude could throw a ball through a brick wall. Lamar can't do that. But on every other aspect, Lamar is better than Michael Vick. We've said that for years. It doesn't matter that Michael Vick is one of my favorite quarterbacks I've ever watched. Because, again, that lot that revolves a lot around nostalgia. But Lamar is better than Vic. Lamar is better than Vic. We've had that same take for a while now. I don't really think that's something that needs to get talked about all too much. But it gets talked about still to this day. To this day, gets talked about. And then I saw another thing. Uh, NFL, Sunday Night Football and NBC tweeted, who's the biggest star in the NFL right now? The quarterback, the people on this graphic were Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, and Christian McCaffrey. I love Christian McCaffrey. Has Christian McCaffrey been considered, like, one of the faces of the NFL? Why is Josh Allen not there? Why? How is he not on there? I should say. Like you look at Mahomes, I've seen this graphic up a lot recently of Mahomes and Allen's first eight playoff games. Like, completion percentage, Josh is a little bit better. Passing yards, Josh is better. Passing touchdown interceptions, it's the exact same 17 to 4 touchdown interception ratio. Passer rating, it's Mahomes. How is Josh not in that graphic, but Chris McCaffrey is? And again, Chris McCaffrey's a thousand thousand player when completely healthy. Thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver. Best running back in the NFL when he's completely healthy. We've said that for years now. But he's not hes not up there with Josh regards to 
one of the stars of the NFL. I agree with everybody else on there. Rodgers, Mahomes, Burrow, Justin Jefferson. Perfectly fine with those. But I wouldn't put Chris McCaffrey on there. I think he's the best player on a group of very good players with George Kittle and Debo Samuel. I would even say George Kittle's a bigger quote-unquote star than Chris McCaffrey. I think George Kittle's more recognizable than Chris McCaffrey because he's way more out there. He's way more out there. And Josh Allen this posted this for his birthday. Career accomplishments, 18,397 pass yards, 138 passing touchdowns, 60 interceptions, 3,000 rushing yards, 38 rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, two-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. Uh, first QB to rush for 95 yards in three straight games. That was his rookie year, for those of you who don't remember. Tied for the most rushing touchdowns by quarterback in his first 50 starts, 28. First QB with 100-plus pass touchdowns and 30-plus rushing touchdowns in his first four seasons. Highest pass rating in a single postseason. Again, greatest postseason without a Super Bowl trophy. First quarterback in NFL history to have six-plus rushing touchdowns in five straight seasons. And he's not in that graphic. He's not in that graphic. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation when he retires uh, where he ranks the all-time greats for the Buffalo Bills. Because on an individual level, he's better than Jim Kelly. My dad's even admitted that. And my dad's everything Jim Kelly. All Bills fans are ever, that grew up like watching the 90s, all Jim Kelly. But even the most diehard Jim Kelly fans, even Jim Kelly, say Josh Allen is better than Jim Kelly. The only thing that's eluding him is that trip to the Super Bowl. If Josh goes to one Super Bowl, he's going to be the greatest quarterback in Bills history. I already think he is, but, you know, I understand why Jim Kelly is considered by most out there. But FanDuel, which always has some very fun posts, each, team's NF- each NFL team's GOAT. They have Bruce Smith as the Bills, which I agree with 100%. He's the all-time NFL sack leader. He's the greatest player in Bills history. One of the key members in the turnaround of the Buffalo Bills. Because Jim Kelly got drafted before Bruce Smith. But Jim Kelly went to the USFL, didn't want to play in Buffalo, played for the Houston Gamblers. So Bruce Smith has been was the main cog in that turnaround for Buffalo. But uh, Cardinals, they had Larry Fitzgerald. Fair. Fair. There was a safety number eight. Uh, what was his name? Larry Wilson. Back in the way long time ago. He'd probably be the other, other one you consider there, but Larry Fitzgerald is. Falcons, Matt Ryan. Um, I know he's probably not first thought of as a Falcon, but it's Deion Sanders. It's Deion Sanders. I understand why you put Matt Ryan, but it's Deion, it's Deion Sanders. So you could put, I mean, again, nostalgic people want to put Vic there, but Matt Ryan is the greatest quarterback the Falcons have had. But I would put Deion Sanders there. Ravens, Ray Lewis, it's either him or Ed Reed. Again, Ed Reed is my favorite defender of all time, so I I have no issue with Ray Lewis there, though. Panthers, Cam Noon, yeah. Bears, Walter Payton, yeah. Bengals, Anthony Munoz, yeah. Will be Joe Burrow, but Anthony Munoz for now, yeah. Browns, Jim Brown, RIP to Jim Brown, but yes, he's the greatest player in Browns history. Cowboys, Emmett Smith. He's the all-time NFL leading rusher, so it's kind of hard to say not, but there's a lot of great players in the history of Cowboys. Roger Staubach, might, you might put him up there. I'd probably lean Staubach, if I'm being honest. But I, Emmett Smith, again, like the Bruce Smith thing, but the Emmett Smith thing, he played behind the greatest offensive line of all times, and he, so it's kind of hard to... Because Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Walter Payton are all better running backs in my mind than Emmett Smith is. I put Emmett Smith comfortably at four out of the all-time running backs of all time. The running back, best running backs of all time, but I don't know. That's a hard one. Broncos, John Elway, yeah. Lions, Barry Sanders, yeah. Packers, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Texans, J.J. Watt, yeah. Andre Johnson is in there, too. Colts, Peyton Manning, yeah. Jaguars, Fred Taylor, either him or Tony Baselli, but yeah. Uh, Patch, uh, Cheese, Patch Mahomes, yeah. We've, we've had this conversation before. Where Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in Chiefs history, but he's not the greatest quarterback to play for the Chiefs. 
Because that's Joe Montana. Do you understand? We've had that conversation before. Uh, Raiders, Marcus Allen. Yeah. Yeah, Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen. Chargers, Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah. Rams, Aaron Donald. Yeah, probably. I mean, you got the quarterbacks back in the day. Uh, Norm Van Brocklin. Uh, uh, Waterman is definitely up there, too. Any other? Uh, Eric Dickerson would definitely be mentioned. Marshall Falk. Like, they have some great players in the Rams history. So, I, yeah, I would say Aaron Donald, though. Dolphins, Dan Marino, yeah. Vikings, Randy Moss, yeah. Patriots, Tom Brady, yeah. Saints, Drew Brees, yeah. Giants, Lawrence Taylor, yeah. Jets, Darrell Revis. I I love Darrell Revis. He's one of the greatest quarterback cornerbacks I've ever seen in my life, but I'm sure a lot of people would love to put Joe Namath there. I I think, like, Curtis Martin has a say in that as well. But I I, I would I wouldn't be – I'm not upset with Darrell Revis being there. Eagles, Reggie White, yeah. Uh, Steelers, Mean Joe Green, a lot of great players in Steelers history. Uh, Big Ben, uh, Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, Dante Stallworth, um, Jack Ham, great players. A lot of great. I'm forgetting some of them, but a lot of great players. But yeah, I probably mean Joe Green. Uh, 49ers, Jerry Rice. No, I think it's Joe Montana. Ah, it's close. I I put I put a dash there. I put a dash there because we've talked about this again when we brought Montana before. Montana won Super Bowls before Rice. I think a lot of people forget about that and like to think that Joe Montana only won things without Jerry Rice, with Jerry Rice. He won two Super Bowls, Super Bowls before Rice got there. So I I understand why Jerry Rice is there because there's such a big gap, arguably, between him and the next best wide receiver, and Joe Montana's not the greatest quarterback of all time anymore. But I would put dash, Montana and Rice there. Seahawks, Russell Wilson, yeah. Bucks, Derek Brooks, yeah, Derek Brooks, Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, Rondé Barber, John Lynch, all defensive players, no offensive players for <laughs> the Tampa Bay Bucks. Brady, I guess you could say. But yeah, Derek, I would I'm not too upset with Derek Brooks. Titans, Warren Moon. Bruce, I would say probably Bruce Matthews. I'd say Bruce Matthews probably. I think Warren Moon deserves some a lot of credit, but I'm pretty sure, what was it, Bruce Matthews was an all-pro at all five off-to-line positions? Or have you talking about Earl Campbell? Like, I like Warren Moon, but I would put I would put Bruce Matthews. And then the Commanders, Daryl Green, we brought him up before. Yeah, I think that's fair. Other people you could put up there, like John Riggins, could be mentioned there for the Commanders. Anybody else that I'm completely forgetting about with the Washington? Uh, Joe Theismann would probably be mentioned. Doug Williams. I don't know. I would put Dale Green there. So I don't, I agree with most of those. I agree with most of those, but there's some that I would change a little bit. Like again, Titans I would change. I would change maybe the 49ers just because it's I think that's 50-50. Then we probably we might be talking about changing the uh, Jags. I don't really have an issue with that. Fred Taylor and Tony Baselli. Then we've got the Cowboys is a questionable one. And the Ravens, I don't really have a real issue with that. Because, again, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, I think those are top two. And Matt Ryan with the Falcons, again, I think it's Deion Sanders. But, again, not not too dis- not too bad. Not too bad. Is there anything else that I was really wanting to talk about today? Really wanted to talk about today? Not really. Not really. We got the NBA playoffs on right now. We got the – or not right right now as we're talking. But we got the Celtics – about ready to get eliminated by the Heat, or not about, they got two games left in the series if it's sweep, but we have two potential sweeps on watch. Sweep watch, we got the Nuggets up 2-0, 3-0 on the Lakers, and then we got the Heat up 2-0 on the Celtics. I would love to see a Heat-Lakers final, or a Heat-Nuggets Heat final. I would love to see a Heat-Nuggets final. And then in hockey, Florida Panthers just went up 2-0 last night, 
And then we got the Vegas Golden Knights. They just won today to go 2 nothing up on the Dallas Stars. So we got two series again. 2 nothing difference there. So it's, oh, it's going to be a little fun to see how the rest of these series go. But that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time if you didn't like it. But uh, with that being said, I've been Logan Blackman. I hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And we will see you guys later. Peace.